Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here with you tonight. I'm nervous, but I'm really excited to be here. You are the first group of adults that I've spoken in front of in probably five years, so have a little mercy on me, okay? Um, so since a lot of you probably don't really know me, I thought I'd take just a moment to introduce myself a little bit better. Like Pastor Andy said, my name is Sarah Selvage, and I am married to my wonderful husband, Marcus. And between the two of us, we have five children, um, and we get the typical response that we get with that is normally, oh my goodness, five kids, how do you do it? And I pretty much just always say, uh, Jesus because there's no other way that I'd make it through that level of craziness without him. So Marcus and I, um, we've been together now three years, and we're actually, our anniversary is next week. We'll be married three years next Wednesday night, so we're excited to, to celebrate that. But when he and I started our relationship, we were very deliberate in that we were going to pursue the Lord. We started from the beginning. We knew what our goals were, and we knew what we wanted to achieve for the Lord. And so early on, we made a decision that we were going to start going to church together. And I had been going to a little church in the middle of a bunch of cornfields um, for about four years, and he had been coming to the palace. And so he was really rooted here, and I thought, well, we'll go to his church first and I'll try it out. And when I pulled out into that parking lot, I thought, oh, I'm a long way from the cornfields. And, uh, but I walked through those doors and I am 100% serious. The moment I walked into this sanctuary, I felt like I was at home. And I have not turned back since. And I remember that day so well because we walk out to the parking lot and Marcus says, well, what'd you think? Like he was kind of nervous how I was going to react. And I'm like, well, I don't really know. You know, at this point, God hadn't told me what our relationship would have looked like, but I'm like, I don't know where this is going, but I'm going to be here. I have to be a part of what's going on at the palace. And so I am so just thankful to be here and never in a million years would I have thought that I would have ever stood up here. This is, this is big. So I am very thankful and excited that Pastor Randy thought of me when it comes to bringing you all just a little devotion tonight. When he first came to me, though, he said, I need you to talk for about 15 to 20 minutes about the power of prayer. And when I get nervous, I get to talking really fast. So my 15 to 20 minutes might be down to 10, and you all might get out of here early tonight. We'll see. But um, he said you could use scripture or you could use your life experience. And so I decided that I wanted to do a combination of that tonight for you. As I was preparing and praying about what I wanted to talk about, I was just kind of torn, which is unusual because as a Christian, you think the power of prayer should be something that we could just pop right off, right? We should have faith and understanding that power. And so I found it odd that I couldn't really pin down what I wanted God or what God wanted me to talk to you all about. And then I felt him kind of pulling me deeper. He wanted me to talk about not only the power of prayer, but also aligning our prayers with his will and the power that can be found in that. And so 
unfortunately, or fortunately sometimes even, our prayers aren't always answered the way we think that they're going to look, but it's always been a part of God's plan. And so that's where we're going to jump in tonight. And as I was reading and searching for what the Lord wanted me to to talk about, he took me to John 11, which is the story of Lazarus. And I had to kind of reacquaint myself with the story because I really wanted to understand what was happening there. But before I jump right into the scripture, I want to give you a little bit more of my backstory. That way you all can understand where I'm coming from and what my heart is tonight. So in 2015, I was a wife, I was a mother, and I was a full-time student. I was going to church, but really, I was just going enough to keep my mama off my back. (laughs) Because if my mom knew I wasn't in church every Sunday, you know, she was going to get me. So I was doing just enough to get me by. I was not actively pursuing the Lord. I was not really seeking his wisdom in what the direction of my life should look like. Um, Early 2016, very early, my world... And what I had established, my goals and everything, came crashing down. And when I say crashing down, I I actually mean my husband left me. That's a very humbling thing to say in front of a group of people, but that was my reality. And when I say left me, I mean he left me and I didn't see him for months. Didn't talk to him for months. And... So then I went from a wife, a mother, a student, to now I was a single mother. And I was a student, and I had to find a job to provide for my children. But now I was just pouring my heart out to the Lord to allow me to save this marriage. And so I I did that for a long time. And the shock of what had happened never it never sunk in. It was, I didn't understand it because there weren't any huge issues. You know, there weren't these, these things where you think about verbal abuse or anything like that. But I, I had noticed that there were some issues that were kind of coming to the surface. Things that I'd started to notice within the relationship that weren't quite right, but I didn't understand them. And I now see that that was God preparing my heart for what was coming. But I was in shock for for months. And as we often do, when crisis hits, we run home to the Lord, don't we? And that's what I did. I ran to the Lord. And I remember so vividly laying on my floor face down and just begging God to save this marriage. I just wanted him to step in and and take away the pain. I wanted him to change me if that's what needed to happen. And I wanted him to just bring this man home to me long enough that we could mend what had been broken. And uh, I would put my Bible on the table and I would sit there and I would just write, you know, passage after passage out of Psalms, trying to get some kind of understanding of what my life had become. And uh, I would just spend hours praying for God to just intervene in this situation. 
But unfortunately, after months and months of that, months of me fighting for this marriage with no success, months of me praying, um, in early spring of that year, I found myself signing divorce papers. And I will never forget walking into that courtroom and having to sign what I felt like was my life away and feeling like God had just let me down. And like he hadn't heard my cries of desperation. Like, where was he? Why wasn't he moving in this situation? And I remember thinking, Lord, why would you put me through this? Why would you put my children through this? How could this possibly be something that you could turn around to use for your glory? And I know that in this room, we've all, in our Christian walk, have experienced things like that, where we are sitting there saying, how could you use this? What good? How is this going to be used for your glory? And so in those moments, you know, we often feel like God has just shut the door. He's turned off the light and he's gone. He's not even in the building anymore. And I remember feeling I'd be praying and I would hear God say, be still, be still. And that's all I got from him for months and months and months. And I told somebody and I would joke about it. I'd say, if I had a dollar for every time that the Lord would tell me to be still, I'd be rich because that is all I got from him for months and months and months. And that is such a lonely place to be. And it's not only lonely just for us as an individual, but spiritually when we feel that we're missing God somehow. What are you trying to show me, Lord? What, what can I do differently? So as I, as I started praying and studying for tonight, and I began reading John 11, and the story of Lazarus, and I know that many of you are probably familiar with that, but as I was reading... I began thinking of Martha and Mary and how they had called for Jesus days before their brother had died. And why had they called for Jesus? Because they knew. They knew that he was the healer. They knew that if he wanted to, he could heal him just like that. And their brother would be healed. He would not be suffering. He would not be sick. And they would not have to experience the grief of losing their brother. But Jesus never came. And that's like what we do, right? We we know that God can intervene in a situation. And we pray. And we ask the Lord to heal our marriages. And we ask the Lord to heal our homes and our hearts. And unfortunately for Martha and Mary, Jesus never came. It wasn't until four days later, four days after their brother had died that Jesus comes in and Martha walks out and she says, Lord, if you would have been here, you could have saved him. He's greeted by Mary in the same way. And uh, she says, Lord, if you'd only been here, if you'd only been here, you could have saved him. So basically what they're saying is, just like all of us, right? We say, Lord, where are you? Where are you in this? You can save me from this. Where are you? 
But what they didn't know is that God's plan was never to heal Lazarus. It was never that... It wasn't that God didn't want to heal him. He just didn't want it to only be the healing that people saw. It wasn't that God wanted Martha and Mary to grieve, but he had something bigger in store. He had resurrection. He had resurrection. And so while Mary and Martha didn't understand The story was so much bigger than that. Lazarus' story was so much bigger than that because God had always had that in his plan. Resurrection is something, though, that requires us to go a little deeper. And it requires a price that we are often unwilling to pay. It requires pain. It requires grief. It requires letting go of expectations that we have for our lives and understanding that regardless of what we think, God's will has to be done. And that's hard because resurrection requires death. It requires us to die to what we feel is right. And that's what Mary and Martha had to experience. So in Lazarus's case, God allowed a physical death to occur. And he did it in order for all the people that were there, for the disciples, for the the Jews that had gathered to mourn Lazarus, for Mary and Martha. He did it so that his power could be known to those people. Can you imagine the faith-building experience that happened when Jesus stepped forward and called him out of that grave? And in our lives, it requires a spiritual death. We must die to our own will, which is so painful. It's so painful to allow God's will to be done in our life regardless of what we feel. So while I'd like to say to you that in 2016, I walked out of that courtroom and said, glory to God, his will be done. That's not, that's not what I experienced. It took me months and months and months of praying and seeking the Lord and understanding that my mind had to line up with His will for my life. And so when it happened, when it finally happened that I got a grasp that God's plan for my life was so much bigger than the box I had tried to put Him in, in that the struggle that I had gone through was to bring him the ultimate glory, it all clicked. I was able to be resurrected from my dead self who had put so much faith in my own ability to control my life and understand that the Lord, he knows it all and he knows what's best for me. So you see, in that moment, I understood for the first time that God's plan for my life had never been to save me from walking the road that I had to walk. Because had I not walked that road, I would have never been forced to my knees. And I may never, I I can actually 
very confidently tell you, I would have never reached the point I am in my spiritual journey with the Lord had I not walked that road. And I would have never been given the opportunity to shout at the top of my lungs every opportunity I get what God has done for my life. Because without the resurrection, I would have no testimony. Without Him restoring my life and bringing me from that place and helping me understand that His plan is so much greater than mine, I would have had, I would have no story. Because without the ability to completely surrender to God's will and plan, we can never die to ourselves. And our expectations of what God should do for us, we can, we can never experience His full power as long as those are in place. And we'll continue to limit Him. My question for you all today, though, is are you aligning your prayers with the Lord's will for your life? Or are you limiting God to what your expectations look like? Are you allowing room for Him to kill those expectations and then bring resurrection to your circumstances and your life? I told you all I'd be super fast. But I want to challenge you all, and then I'm going to pray. And then I want you all to feel as feel free to sit and pray. But I want you all to look into yourself. And I want you all to challenge yourself to allow God to move freely. To have faith that even if He takes a minute, even if He takes a minute to get to you like Jesus did to Martha and Mary, that if he takes so long that the situation you're praying for begins to die, he's still capable of the resurrection. He's still capable of restoring your situation from the ashes, but we have to align ourselves and our prayer to what his will looks like. And we have to be willing to submit that to him and to say, God, right now, this is hard and it hurts and I'm not capable of doing it on my own but I know despite what my flesh tells me I know that your will is better than mine and your plan is better than mine and I'm willing God to surrender that to you to lay that at your feet and I want to pray for your will to be done and that is how I believe that we take our prayer lives to the next level. Because without surrendering, without surrendering all of those things to God's will, we will never see His glory fully revealed. And we will be disappointed. We'll be disappointed with the Lord. And that is, it's setting ourselves up for failure whenever God has the ultimate beautiful plan already made out for us. So I want to pray for you all, and I apologize for moving so quickly. But um, 
Like I said, I, I want to encourage you all to take a look at the areas of your life that you have given to God in prayer and to take a step back and, and to align yourself with His will. Pray for His will to be done in those situations that seem uncertain to you right now. And just trust that even when they look impossible, He's capable of restoring that.